Good morning, gents. Good to see you all. Uh, good. It is good to be seen. Yeah, you could have dressed up a little more. That'll do, though. That's all right. Uh, uh, crack open your Bibles, or if you're a fake Christian with a fake Bible, scroll on your phone to uh, uh, Romans chapter 13. You'd think after the last couple of years we'd have had enough of Romans 13, but we're going to go to the last end, not the not the beginning. Go straight to verse 12. Right, Romans 13, verse 12 through 14. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Amen? Romans 13 verse 12, Paul uses the language of armory for holiness and right doctrine. Verse 12 he says, Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul loves using military language. It's one of the most frequent things I get asked about, about why all the, the hope preachers and posts and content and everything always uses military wartime armor language. And the reason is because it's very, very, very biblical. It's not, uh, Paul doesn't use the language of armory here in terms of warfare and all of that because he likes being inflammatory or because he's looking for a cool theme to pick up. It's because he sees the world as it really is. He says in Ephesians 6 that we are not, despite what it looks like, our warfare, our battling is not against the flesh. He says in 2 Corinthians 10 that our, uh, that our warfare uh, is not waged according to the flesh, but there is still a warfare. In both Ephesians 6, 2 Corinthians, and here in Romans 13, he alludes that the warfare that we fight is spiritual, but we're not Gnostics in the sense that spiritual has nothing got to do with the physical, right? God has made uh, 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 one of the, the big areas that we see uh, uh, the devil waging his warfare in our day, as it has been for many millennia, but very, very pointedly in our day, one of the main ways is against the God's good design of gender. Now, if you have a too spiritualized view of the spiritual war, you will look at things like physical bodies or chromosome differences and say, that's not spiritual. We need to do prayer and fasting and cast out demons. That's the warfare of the spirit. And that's both stupid and wrong. The physical world is extremely spiritual. There is almost nothing given to us in the realm of the spirit that is not also physical. Okay? Get rid of the, the mindset of, uh, except for like angels and demons, everything else that God has, has uh, uh, endowed with immense spiritual potential and power is also physical. Okay? So preaching, that's a spiritual warfare. It's extremely physical. It's a guy who stands up, opens a physical book, explains black and white words to people with ears or through a God-blessed translator. <clears throat> we have very physical things tied to the spiritual realm, okay? Uh, uh, church membership, extremely spiritual. Sexuality and sex itself, extremely spiritual. Giving money, getting married, all of those things. Taking communion, extremely physical, extremely spiritual. 
So when we speak of the spiritual battle, you need to see how, how tied in it is with the physical realm. And, the, and, and it's actually one of the first things that the devil tries to convince people of uh, as in his war on the genders is to convince them that to care much about the genders or to care much about gender-specific ministry is unspiritual. Okay, that's most mainline evangelicalism today. Uh, you can be a great Christian without really uh, uh, focusing too much on what it means to be a man. That's that's toxic masculinity. That's silly. That's uh, that's distracted. But we know that the Word tells us that all things that God has created, especially and including the image of God, which is manifested through male and female bodies, minds, and souls, the differences in the gender is an extremely important part, and defining it against the redefinition of the devil and his leftist hordes is an act of spiritual warfare, okay? So, uh, uh, the part of the war on the genders in the West going on now, uh, where the evil one and his human evil rulers are doing great damage, is in the realm of masculinity, as we've reminded ourselves each time that we catch up. Uh, uh, at the moment, this is all Australian statistics, at the moment of the last few years, a father is five times more likely to abandon his household than the mother. Uh, 18 to 40-year-old men are the smallest demographic in most churches. At Hope Church, that is our biggest demographic. Praise God, amen. Uh, uh, men are getting married later and later. The average age of marriage now is 31. Uh, people putting off the responsibility and putting off intentionally. Uh, now, that's average, which means 50% of people are older than that. Um, uh, and we are at record high levels of fatherlessness in our society. And all of that is a symptom of the fact that the devil is, is winning a great battle against Homo, uh, against uh, the, the God's uh, uh, design of the genders and masculinity and femininity. So, and our very who was here for our very first men's muster back in May 2021? Yeah, we lose a lot of people. They don't come back. Uh, no, yeah, there was a bunch of you. You were there, Abraham. Yeah, you were there. You're in the, that was the one that the video was taken of that Cosman did. Yeah, yeah, you were there. Uh, uh, Back then, we, 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 uh, we, we put our, our flag in the ground and sort of established what's Hope Man about, what's Men's Musters going to be about, what are we aiming to do? And the big goal is that we make all of our men patriarchs. We want to become and desire to become patriarchs. And being a patriarch is a pretty, uh, pretty dirty word in our, uh, in our society. That's why I like using it. Everybody hates it. Uh, it's extremely biblical. I remember one of the young guys at church sitting me down after a sermon one time and going, patriarch is in the Bible. Well, yeah, it's a it's biblical a word. word. I thought that was that was that was a bad word. Remember that, Jono? He's like, that's awesome. I can use the word. My, like, you better. It's right there. And off he went. Got got married and and uh, uh, good on him. Being a patriarch though means biblically to have the father's heart. Okay, to have the heart of the father and to live like it. To know who you are. You know, who, what your ancestry is, who you belong to, who your clan and your tribe is, to know who you are, to know how to be a man and how to join other men, how to raise younger men and how to leave behind an army of men in your wake. That's what it means to be a patriarch. You know, what, what family, what, what spiritual nationality, put a pause on that. Can someone keep an eye on my son that's just wandering down there? We can, we can edit this part out. Hey, Remy, come back, mate. There you go. 
101 lessons in uh, being a good father. Don't let him die. Don't let him die. Come on, Remy. So, being a patriarch is very important. And, uh, uh, it, yeah, we, we, we join a, a long line of men. We, we raise up other men. We know how ourselves to be men. That's what's very important in being a patriarch, having the father's heart, knowing who you are, knowing how to be a man, how to join other men, raise up younger men, and leave behind an army of men in your wake to do God's good work. So look at verse 14 of what we looked at in uh, chapter 13 of the book of Romans. He says here, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That is that we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is told to us in Romans chapter 5, and in 1 Corinthians 15, that he is the second Adam. He is the new Adam, or literally, some translations make it, he is the new man. He is, uh, uh, the word Adam means man. He is the new Adam. He is the start of the second uh, 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 race of humanity. Everybody is born in Adam, and in Adam you, re you receive his sin, you receive his sin nature, you receive his legal representation, which is to condemnation, in Adam, we receive failure, sin, and death. This is called federal headship. In Christ, the new Adam, we receive righteousness unto justification. We receive life. We receive a new nature. We receive the mind of Christ. And we receive the adoption of God, which brings with it the inheritance of God. So in Christ, we are, uh, he is the new Adam, or literally, he's the new man. When Paul here tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's telling you, put on the new man. Put on the likeness of the great, the perfect, the best, the, the, the infinite, the glorious man. Put on the new manhood. Everyone in conversion. Now, some of you have been converted for a long time, but, uh, uh, but the, the, the biblical, the Bible's teaching towards you has been, has had this uh, element of masculinity and being a biblical man shaved off because people are either embarrassed of it or the church is led by women, even if they're dudes. So, so this needs to come at us hard. Either you need to be converted and put on the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, or in your understanding, you need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and embrace a new masculinity, a new manhood, but a manhood that is not divorced from the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've got, uh, I think, eight. Let me count. Yeah, eight brief points on what it means to become a patriarch or what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ in our age and culture. First of all, as we've said here, it is faith, it, uh, the, the first step of putting on Jesus Christ, of putting on the new man, embracing the masculinity and manhood that you were created and planned and decreed from eternity past to embrace, is to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for your forgiveness and your justification. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is self-abandoning, which throws aside all of your self-righteousness, which does not come to God seeking a list, as men love to do, seeking a list, just tell me what to do, I'll get it done, just tell me what I need to become, I'll do it, then I'll come back and I'll impress you, Father. Reject all of that thinking, recognize and know that you are a sinner to the core and every act that you've ever done outside of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ has been an act of rebellion against the God who created you. Every failure to be masculine and biblically fulfill your roles as a man has also been a sin against the Lord God who made you with a purpose, design, and order. So have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that in his life is the only source of a righteousness that can make you right with God. In his death 
is the only place where sin can be paid for outside of hell. And in his resurrection is the only place where eternal life is promised to those in him. So have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ of that. Reject your own righteousness and your own sin. Repent of all of those and embrace him. And you are a new creation. You are in that moment of your faith. And some of you have had faith long ago. And you need to recognize that you are a new creation. Despite your sins, your addictions, your failures, and your uh, 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 sinful lifestyles, you are a new creation. If by faith you've been joined to Jesus Christ, you have a new heart, and you have the ability by the Holy Spirit to repent, to walk forward, and to glorify God in your bodies. So put on the Lord Jesus Christ by having faith in his work in your place. The manosphere, or the, uh, the, the, the red pill, uh, if you start jumping onto uh, 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 menhood podcasts and masculinity blogs and, and all of that stuff, you'll find a large a whole universe on the internet out there of pagan guys teaching other dudes how to be men and it is all divorced of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is immoral and it is useless and it will eventually lead them to hell. The being, a, being a new man, putting on the new man, embracing masculinity starts with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't earn your way up to that. You start there. Have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed in his word. Second of all, being a biblical man will require a doctrinal and theological soundness or understanding of what the Word of God says to us. So there, is, there can be no maturity in the Christian life and in the male life without an understanding of the world around you and an understanding of the, what the Word says about the world around you. So uh, sometimes we can think of being a theological uh, a student having a, a, an understanding of doctrine and the Word of God, we can think of that as the capstone of a building, like a steeple on one of the old, beautiful, medieval uh, cathedrals. You think when you get to the zenith of your manhood, adulthood, masculinity, holiness, then you can even throw on the top a beautiful piece called theology that is structurally pretty irrelevant, but it looks good, and it's a proof that you've made it. That is false. A sound doctrinal theological understanding of the Word of God starting in Jesus Christ and going out from the cross is actually the cornerstone. It's the first piece that needs to be laid, otherwise everything else will be misshapen and an unstable, unsound building. James says that if a man is double-minded in all his ways, star student, hey buddy, if James says that if a man is double-minded in his, in his thinking, if his mind is not set and established and sound and firm, he's double-minded and therefore unstable in all his ways. Some of you need to realize that your marriage problems are ultimately theological problems. Some of you need to realize that your sin problems are first of all a mindset problem about the theology of the gospel. Some of you need to realize that your fatherhood problems or your sin issues or, or your problems with finding work or working hard, ultimately, it's because you don't have enough Bible into you. Now, doing a Bible study is not going to be uh, uh, the end point, but studying the Bible with wise men around you who can speak into your life is going to be one of the things that will propel you on to fixing all of those things because the unstable mind, sorry, the double mind is unstable in everything, but the sound mind is stable in all of his ways. That's the point of, uh, of church ministry, Ephesians 4 says, that God has given the teachers in order to establish people the saints, so that you are sound and well-built and mature in your understanding 
Otherwise, you will be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave. So theology is not a nice added extra for those guys who can afford an expensive degree or who don't work hard and so have plenty of time to read old dead guys like the Puritans. Theology, sound doctrine, needs to be practical and it needs to be in every single one of our lives. That is the second way that we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and establish the foundation that Jesus says, which then our life, our house, is built on. Otherwise, we are building on sand, is what Spurgeon said about uh, having good theology. He's actually in his book, uh, in his chapter of his biography called The Defense of Calvinism. He says this, It's a great thing to begin the Christian life by believing good, solid doctrine. Some people have received 20 different versions of the gospel in as many years, and how many more they will accept before they get to their journey's end in the grave, it would be difficult to predict. I thank God that in my early years, he taught me the gospel, and I've been so perfectly satisfied with it that I don't, do not want any uh, other version of it. Constant change of belief is a sure loss. If a tree has to be taken up two or three times a year, you will not need a very large storehouse to keep its apples. In other words, it will be fairly fruitless if it is constantly uprooted and moved. So it is with the man whose theology is changing every three to six months. When people are always shifting their doctrinal principles, they're not likely to bring forth much fruit to the glory of God. It is good for young believers to begin with a firm hold-up on those great fundamental doctrines which the Lord has taught us in His Word. Amen? It doesn't mean you don't keep on learning. It means that in your learning, you find an establishment, a, a firmness, and a soundness in your understanding. That is extremely important. Number three, look at verse uh, 13 of Romans 13. The next one is purity or holiness. To put on the new man, if by faith we have uh, uh, received Christ, if now understanding we are having minds renewed by Christ, the next thing that must be said to men is purity and holiness. Verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the daytime not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling or fighting and jealousy. Sexuality uh, is one of the, uh, and sexual acts, is one of the first things that the Bible often goes to when it's talking about sanctification, especially when he's talking to men, because it is uh, God-given, it is a good thing that one of the, in fact, that I, they've proven that it's stronger than your will to live, is your sex drive. Uh, your sex drive is a good, God-given thing to men that is meant to propel them forward to things like marriage, uh, uh, to things like having kids, being productive, getting a job so that you can get married and then get sex. Uh, sex drive is not a dirty thing. It's not a bad thing. But if the male sex drive goes hand-in-hand hand with a lack of self-discipline and a lack of renewed mind according to doctrine and a lack of faith in Jesus Christ then it will be a flame thrown onto a dry forest and it consumes everything it touches. Our generation of men have been, well, sort of if you take the 30-year-olds and under, uh, uh, if you're about 30, it was your generation, uh, uh, which is my generation, that was first introduced to unlimited internet access with smartphones and computers in your bedroom. 
one of the effects of that has been a generation absolutely enslaved. I've heard it said that it's it's like a, taking a generation of men and putting them on a slow morphine drip. It basically cuts out their productivity. It takes all of their sex drive that usually leads to things like marriage and impressing girls and getting a job and getting things done. And it plugs it straight into the wall so that they can satisfy themselves with shame in their room. And that was one of the worst things to happen to our generation. It was a ploy and an attack and a, a, an act of warfare by the devil and he has taken large amounts of men to hell and large amount of Christian men into lack of productivity because of it. Unfettered pornographic use does take men to hell. It is uh, a sexual immorality, but it need not be the end story for all of God's sons. In fact, it need not be. It must not be. Sexual purity is extremely important. Sexual purity is mentioned here. Actually, most of the things that Paul says here relate to sexual purity. Don't walk, uh, uh, as in the nighttime, with orgies. That's sexual. Drunkenness. He says elsewhere that leads to sexuality. Uh, not in sexual immorality. Why would you list that next to orgies? Because they're men and they need these things laid out very, very specifically. And sensuality, which is when you chase things that feel good also includes sexuality uh, and sexual immorality. And then throws in, don't fight and uh, punch each other out because you want his car. Don't, don't quarrel and be jealous. He's speaking, these are very masculine sins. <coughs> if a man does not have dominion over himself, then he is under slaves, slaves uh, uh, sins, slavery. Again, touching on the manosphere, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of dudes out there who will have their blogs and their podcasts and their videos and all of that stuff about masculinity. But a lot, a lot of their manhood is defined by how many women you can sleep with, how jacked you can get, how many babies you can make, uh, uh, how, many, how many chicks you can have, but, but not really marriage, stuff like that. Uh, they call it dominion. They, they, they steal these Bible phrases and words and themes, but they adulterate it and pervert it. We need to make very clear, if you do not have dominion over yourself through self-mastery given by the Spirit, through a self-discipline and a self-control, you cannot uh, bring about dominion or take dominion on anything else because you're not your own master. Ultimately, it's sin that is controlling you to do all of those other things. You are still a slave. So where there is slavery to sin, there is no obeying the masculine mandate to take dominion. So it's very important. Sexual purity. You need to talk to an elder if pornography has a hold on your life. There is no way that the guys that uh, uh, the elders have currently been sitting with, chatted with, or talked to recently represents all of the guys in the church that have pornographic issues. You need to grab one of us and have a chat and ask for help and walk with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Please do so. Fourthly is character. So we've said you have to have faith in the Lord Jesus. You need to have a doctrinal foundation in your mind. You need to uh, pursue and realize and act out purity in your life. And fourthly is character. That is that you should not be a boy. Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians about when I was a child, I acted like a child. Now, if you want to know brutally whether or not you still act like a child and what kind of a vibe you give off, whether mature or immature, Ask your elder. Ask one of your mates that are older than you. Ask somebody that you think is a masculine, manly, mature guy. And I'm giving you permission to just be brutally honest. Tell them. Uh, uh, one of the things about immaturity is that it can't test and uh, assess its own immaturity. So uh, uh, we, th there's often, I'll use this analogy. 
Uh, there is the same alcohol content in a, in a fruity, juicy cocktail and a very masculine, old-fashioned, made-on, aged, fine scotch, right? You take those two, two cocktails that have the same alcohol content. Let's say that's like doctrinal knowledge. Alcohol content is theological knowledge, doctrinal uh, understanding, things like that. <clears throat> you could drink either one of those drinks and have the same amount of alcohol content. One of them is extremely feminine and extremely, and if you can drink it, that's fine. You just got to be able to punch the guys that laugh at you because you will. But, but uh, there's the same alcohol content, but the taste is very different. One taste is able to be had by, whoa, don't beat me up. One, alcohol, uh, uh, one drink is, it, the alcohol content is there, but it's almost, it, it, it's masked completely by the fact that it's overrun with sweetness and additional uh, uh, fake tastes and flavors. The other one, the alcohol content punches you in the teeth and it has an oaky, matured flavor to it. I don't care if you don't drink alcohol. The point is that in men, there can be the same amount of doctrinal knowledge and theological understanding and maybe even life experience, but in some guys, it's coming out in an overly sweet, immature and childish presentation and behavior, and just the whole smell and taste of your life is fairly childlike. And that is not to shame people. That is to encourage you, pursue that which is oaky and mature and Scottish and of single malt. All right, you know what to get me for Christmas. Uh, pursue that which is which has a flavor, and yeah, it can be faked sometimes. But pursue that which is genuine. Uh, it, it, your life should have not a, an immature, childish, sweet taste, but a but a gravity, a, a a seriousness, a maturity, so that when older men meet you, they think this guy would probably make a good employee. He's not always cracking a dumb joke. He's, he's able to have a serious conversation. He's got some gravity. He takes himself seriously. It's, it's very important. Have some maturity. That is what it means to put on, one element of what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The next one is work. This is so clear from the other things that we've studied. And, the, and, and you take one look at what it means to be a man in the Bible. And it means you need to be working hard. If you have only a part-time job and half of your week is spent doing whatever you want, I'm telling you, that's why you're looking at porn. That is why you're in so much sin, because you have too much energy that is not being channeled into productivity. So if you have only a part-time job, find another part-time job. If you're studying with a part-time job and you've still got lots of time on your hands, serve at church, find other people to help out, do cash jobs on the side, go to the gym and expend all of your energy there. Hard work does not just mean employment, though that's part of it. Hard work means filling up most of your day with, with, with things that are mentally, uh, physically laborious. Now, some of us have jobs that are heavily mental and heavily, uh, you know, in language and talking. That's like me. I've got to find other physical ways to exert my energy. Some of us have very uh, physical, laborious jobs. You need to make sure that you're also engaging and challenging your mind so that neither part of your makeup becomes flabby and uh, no good at hard work. I was actually reading a, reading a study this week of the things that lower testosterone in men. Testosterone is the main masculine hardening uh, uh, hormone in our body. And it has, the testosterone levels in men have been dropping 1% every year. Which means that for the blokes born in, um, uh, uh, let's say, Vic, what year were you born, mate? What? <laughs> 1960. 
Uh, there has been a 1% of each generation drop from then until some of us here were born in 2000. That's, that, that's not 40% of the original generation. It's, it, you know, it, do the maths, but, but it's some, some, somewhere between 20 to 40% drop in testosterone in average men uh, in an entire generation. Do you think that's going to affect other things? Now, if you're Gnostic, you'll say, stick to the Bible. That's not spirituality. That's not true. God has so designed, that, that's like looking at uh, transgenders and saying, it doesn't matter that they chop something off, that's just physical. No, that's, that's deeply spiritual. The fact that the, 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 the devil and his wiles and his plants has somehow brought about the, the, the decrease in that hormone that God has designed to create good men and dangerous men is in fact a spiritual matter. That doesn't mean that at church we're handing out testosterone tablets, but you get the point. Uh, and, and there's certain things that decrease testosterone in them significantly. And one of them, one of them is high cortisol levels. Cortisol is in your bloodstream a lot when you are stressed and anxious. And the other one is endorphins. They're your pleasure hormones or your pleasure, your, 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 what is released when you're having lots of pleasure. So it's pretty funny. If you have high constant amounts of endorphins, your testosterone will drop. If you have high increasing amounts of stress and cortisol, your testosterone will drop. So men should neither be extremely strung out and anxious and worried and stressed, nor does that mean that you go and get pedicures and sit in sit on the beach all day because endorphins lower your testosterone. What do we need? We need the mix. Hard work that is satisfying and that is organized and that is productive is that middle where you've got some stress, but it's because you're producing hard things. You've got some pleasure, but it's on the basis of your own productivity. That is where uh, uh, this, this, this God-designed uh, uh, process will be at its ideal. So hard work is, in fact, uh, 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 necessary to being a man, and it's uh, interesting in how we see all the other uh, science only, only back that up. <coughs> Sixthly, hey, gents. Sixthly, family and marriage. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ is to love the bride, love a bride, love one woman, be a one-woman man, seek family and the children that God would give you. Uh, uh, it does not mean that you're in sin if you are single. All right? Uh, being single is not a sin, but despising marriage and thinking of marriage as a big ball and chain and to, to degrade marriage like that and put it off as late as possible is sin. So... If you, have, if you obey Hebrews 13, 6, and you hold marriage in honor, that means you seek after it, you see it as honorable and noble and good, and you desire it, and then you make actual progress to it. So are you pursuing a gal? Are you pursuing women uh, uh, who are godly and, and keeping yourself pure as a one-woman man? Are you doing those things and taking progress? And then where you are, where you have a woman, where you have children, are you thanking the Lord for them and recognizing all the hardships involved in that? There is hardships in being a boyfriend. There is hardships in being a uh, uh, fiancé and being a husband and being a father. There's lots of hardships. But like we said in one of our talks last year, you're made for hardship. That's good for you. Yeah, that's where you thrive, and those hardships along with the blessing are themselves a blessing. So, do not degrade or disparage marriage and being a father, but have the father's heart and pursue those things as a blessing. Seventhly, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ 
is not able to be done in a mature way outside of the context of a local church. Now, I have the blessing of having to convince very few men in our church to be regular, hard workers, volunteers, servers, and members. But some of us are not at Hope, and that's, that's not technically a sin to not go to Hope Reformed Baptist Church. Technically, but... You know, it'll come up on Judgment Day. Uh, <clears throat> but if you're not here, are you involved and submitted to elders somewhere? Are you involved and plugged into a church somewhere? Are you a functional body part in a body of Christ somewhere on earth? Local church membership matters, and uh, it is where we can call on the Lord with a pure heart with other people who are doing so. That's where we're kept accountable, receive teaching, are able to use our gifts. Uh, uh, the men in the church should have exemplary church attendance. Again, I thank God this is not, not our testimony here at Hope, but how many men have to be dragged to church by their wives who want their kids to, to, to be in church? There is, I, I said this last year, uh, we, will not, we will never be the church that congratulates guys simply for showing up. In a lot of churches these days, if you just rock up semi-regularly as a dude and a dad, that is massive. They will pat you on the back. They'll give you a little, you know, a little, uh, little free thing on Father's Day because you, de- you dared to even show up. That's huge. We are so thankful. That, just showing up, is still failing. You need to show up with exemplary regularity. You need to show up of your own initiative, knowing that this is God's call on your life and one of the most important things in your life is local church. You need to rock up with a heart to serve, taking your own leadership and initiative to do so, leading your wife and kids, or just yourself if you don't have a, have wife and kids yet, into local church involvement because it is the bride of Christ. Let us be burned out and let us work ourselves hard for the sake of the church because her mission is Christ's mission. That is to save all of God's people and build his kingdom and show his glory among the nations. And eight, this one, we did a whole talk on last year. Maybe it's the beginning of this year. No, it was last year. Last one in last year, I think it was. And this is, you need to have a mission for your life. Okay, this is at the end. Get all the other stuff in progress and started. But this will affect all of those other things. After you have had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're still here and depends who's right. Either we'll get raptured or he'll come back or we'll die and he comes back in another generation. We don't know what's going to happen uh, ultimately, but the point is that you're still here till you're dead or you're not here anymore. And in that time, God does not want you to float about and just try and apply Christian ethics on the way. You're not just to float in the, in the ocean and when you have a chance, obey the laws of God here and there. Your job is actually to be in a direction be taking ground and moving in that direction and in other words to ask yourself right now if you haven't already you're going to die one day and give an account people are going to look back on your life at your funeral and your grandkids and great-grandkids are going to look back how would they summarize your life what do you want them to be able to summarize your life as Uh, uh, a mission is that thing that you want to see or that you believe god has put you on earth to achieve Uh, now a mission is will always include your employment, but it's much more than your employment. Mission should be big. Don't just say, I really want to be a carpenter, or I hope that I can get that car, or I want to marry a beautiful woman of this height. None of those things are missions. Once you achieve them, then what? Right? They don't drive a life. They're not big enough for people made in the image of God to carry His glory. Men need a mission that is impossible to do on your own. Therefore, you need a wife. 
You need a mission that outlasts your life. That's why you need children to continue to carry it on. You need a mission that is bigger than just yourself. That's why you need to be involved in a local church and working hard. And so a mission is not just a job. It's not just goals. They're all a part of the mission. The mission is something big and glorious and grand that is subject to change every couple of, every couple of years or year as you rethink about it and go, actually, God's given me this opportunity. Maybe I want to, maybe this is where he's calling me to go. But a mission is something that drives every other drive. A mission is something that is the prism through which every other decision goes through. Which suburb do I live in? Which woman do I marry? Is she called to missions or local? Is she good at this or that? How many kids does she want? Because that'll line up or not with my mission. What job do I take? What car do I drive? How much do I save compared to give? Uh, what people do I put around me? Which fellowship group do I go to? Which church do I join? All of these things are answered by the uh, well and in context by the guy who has a mission for his life. Everything else is driven in the context of what he wants to accomplish for the glory of God, by the Spirit of God, because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So go back, listen to the other talks that we've done if you haven't heard them, but these are those things. Let me summarize what it means in our day, the important things to put on the Lord Jesus Christ so we are walking as those in the daytime, what it means to be putting on the armor of light is to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation to have a doctrinal foundation in our mind for all things, to pursue purity and holiness and therefore sex in marriage, to pursue that, to have a mature and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, a mature character, to work hard with our hands and our minds, to pursue family and marriage and children, to be involved in a church, that is exemplary in an exemplary way and to have a mission for our life until God sees fit to take us home. Amen? Let me pray. I'll also pray over the food and then at some point after that, it'll get brought down and, and we'll all uh, tuck in and they'll, uh, it'll be our lunch. Dear Lord God, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for the power in which you created and designed this thing called gender, this thing called man and woman, masculinity and femininity to so shine out the glory of your own image. We do thank you, Lord, for that grace. We thank you that you revealed to us what that required, what that meant, and you gave us your law, you gave us your standards, you gave us your design in the Word so that we might know what we're called to. And yet every single one of us in assessing and reading those standards, those laws, and those commandments, as we look at the life of Jesus as the perfect example and fulfillment of the law and fulfillment of masculinity, we recognize that we have failed terribly. We have sinned against you, against the one who designed us, against the one who gave us these good things in our manhood. We have taken and used them for sin. We have presented ourselves, as Romans 6 says, as a slave to sin, and it has utilized our members. It has utilized our body, our body parts, our desires, our hormones, our hopes, our thoughts, our minds. It has abused them and used them for sin, and we have, Lord, enjoyed it. We have enjoyed being rebels against you, and we have despised the law and the commandments that you give us in the Bible. But praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and not just provided a perfect example, but provided a perfect atonement. For those who have sinned against you, for those who have failed, we have in Jesus Christ the forgiveness of all of our sins. We have the blood that was shed in order to make us pure and holy and undefiled before you. 
He earned a righteousness that is given to us so that we might be counted perfect and righteous in him before you. Father God, we thank you that in him we have not just forgiveness, but also new creation. We have a new heart and a new nature that we might pursue new laws and morals and ethics and new desires and actually be able to fulfill them. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon us and would fill each of us, Lord God. Some of us are fresh and anew. We need help repenting and turning away from some very serious sins. We ask, Lord God, that your spirit of grace would come upon these men who, who require that and you would turn them away from their sin. Let them walk away from the darkness and put on the armor of light. We thank you, Lord God, for those who you are maturing and you are building and you are, uh, are using to build up others. And we pray that you would give them the perseverance and the endurance with this reminder that it is all worth it in the Lord Jesus Christ and that uh, uh, following after these things is one of the, the key ways that you build your kingdom and glorify your son. I do pray, Lord God, for those uh, who are not saved, that you would convert them this morning, that you would bring them into a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ by faith alone in him. Into the future, Lord God, would you enable us and strengthen us and equip us with the armor of light to wage war against the devil, to wage war against all of his hordes, to wage war against those spiritual uh, entities in the heavenly places, which wage war against your design and your word. Would you make us uh, willing to bleed and willing to sweat and willing to be sleepless and work hard that we might establish the glory of God on earth again? Would you uh, enable us at Hope to uh, welcome in many more men, train up many more men, see many more young men married and start having kids? Would you uh, bless the younger generation that is coming up? And we thank you, Lord God, for all the young teenagers and young blokes that are with us today. We thank you for them and pray your blessing on their life. May Hope Reformed Baptist Church, Lord, filled with militant, godly patriarchs in our midst for the glory of God. And everybody said, Amen. This sermon was preached at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Logan, Australia. For more information about our church, visit our website at hoperb.church. If you have been blessed, please leave us a review wherever you listen. We pray this message has been used by God to grow and encourage you in your Christian walk. Thank you for listening. Soli Deo Gloria.